Jesus Christ is the light of the world. The light of darkness can overcome. Stay with us, Lord, for it is evening. And the day is almost over. Let your light scatter the darkness. And Holy and gracious God, I confess that I have sinned against you this day. Some of my sin I know, the thoughts and words and deeds of which I am ashamed. But some is known only to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I beg your forgiveness. Deliver, forgive, and restore me, that I may rest in peace. By the mercy of God, we are redeemed by Jesus Christ, and in him you are forgiven. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Eternal God, we commit to your mercy and to your forgiveness the year now ending, and we commend to your blessing and love the times yet to come. In the new year, abide among us with your Holy Spirit, that we may always trust in the saving name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Scripture readings for this, the eve of the circumcision and the naming of our Lord Jesus. The Old Testament lesson from the sixth chapter of Numbers, verses 22 through 27. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel, and you shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And so they shall put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle lesson from the third chapter of Paul's letter to the Galatians, verses 23 through 29. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abram's offspring, heirs according to promise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We stand in respect of Christ, to whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke the second chapter. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Your words Son 
Israelites on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. So far our text. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friends in our Lord, what's in a name? A lot. A lot, no matter if you're speaking of first names or surnames, whether we realize it or not, names carry quite a bit of meaning. Consider, for instance, our first names. Among the most popular first names of newborns these, these past months, and over the course of the past year and more, among the most popular first names of newborn boys, Jacob, meaning one who supplants. Recall the Old Testament and how Jacob did supplant his brother Esau. Or for little girls born this last year, the name Emma continues to be a hit. The name Emma meaning all-embracing. The name Daniel meaning God is my judge. Once once again makes the top ten list. And so does the name Hannah, which means favor or grace. Our first names, but so too our last names. Those surnames so often said and so often not really appreciated for for the, the meaning that they carry. Did you realize that when surnames began to be employed in the 12th century, they were drawn from about four different primary sources? One's occupation, giving us names like Cook or Baker. One's location, which gives us names like Overhill or Underwood or Littleton. One's patronage, his father's line, gives us names like Erickson. And characteristics of a particular person like Short or Longfellow. And so the meanings of our surnames are largely derived from from who we are, what we are, where we are, or whose we are. Of course, over time, those names, they've largely lost their accurate descriptive quality because perhaps you've known Robertsons who haven't been the sons of or even grandsons of anyone named Robert. You may have known Smiths who never once pounded out any sort of metal or stretched any leather. You might have known shoemakers who never ever had to, had to craft shoes for a living. Sometimes the meaning attached to our names is is the wish and the hope of our well-meaning parents. Sometimes the description our name bears doesn't seem to resemble us at all or describe us in the least, our names. But as we consider the name that we hear given tonight in our sermon text, know this about it. This name is not incidental. It's not accidental. This name is not a result of a first century fad or trend. It's it's not the product of a parent's blind hope for her child's future in this world. Tonight we consider the personal name given to the Lord incarnate. And we're forced to stop and we're forced to take note of it. For it is characteristic and it is descriptive of this manger-born Messiah who bears it. Note first that the name is one of divine directive. You see, the choice of the child's name wasn't left up to Joseph, if you'll recall. The child's earthly surrogate father, no. Joseph is under a a far higher father who himself attends to the important task. God the Father, you'll recall, God the Father names his only begotten son. He might have named him after some patriarch of the Christ's human Davidic line, which would have been the custom of the day, but he didn't. He named him Jesus, Yeshua. It means Yahweh saves, or Yahweh is salvation. Do you remember how the Father instructed, God the Father instructed this son's mother and her her betrothed? He said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so with a single name, all erroneous ideas about the Messiah were simply swept away. Ideas that suggest that he'd come to restore political Israel. Ideas suggesting that he'd come to usher in worldly health and wealth and prosperity, whether back then or here today in our time. Ideas that suggest that Jesus is anything less than or other than his name declares him to be. For instance, like he's just a moral man with with many meaningful messages, but no Messiah. Not at all. 
No, his name is his mission. His name is his mission. Jesus, Paul writes, came into the world to save sinners. It's all there in his name. He came as the solution to our deepest, our most basic and most intimate problem, our sin. We forget that sometimes, don't we? We forget that our real problem, the problem and the source of all of our problems, all of those that we faced in this past year, 2008, all of those that we're going to face in the year 2009 and all the years our Lord gives us, whether they be physical or mental or emotional problems or spiritual, the root of all of these is in our condition of sin. And as we forget that key fact, we lose the real meaning of Jesus' name. The name Jesus then becomes to us, quite frankly, then rather ordinary, so that we regard it little more than we regard our own names and the meaning of them. We casually then employ it as that which we might believe to be the the key to successful prayers. We more casually than that employ it, not only letting it fall into disuse, but worse into misuse, not then spoken in the sweetness of a pious prayer, but in the saltiness of everyday expletive. God forbid that his blessed name become for us a last resort. When all other names have been tried and failed, instead of being for us our first defense against all of those things that promise so much in this world, but that deliver so little to us. How often, think about it, how often have we allowed his name to mean less or something other than what God's intended it to mean? How often have we prayed for God to hallow his name and then we, we live in such a way that is unhallowed? Whatever your name be, what mine too, whoever we are, as we think on things, we can consider well that we justly have no business with the sacred name of Jesus. We wouldn't were it not for him. But for those very reasons I just mentioned, and for the thousands and thousands that I didn't, that babe of Bethlehem was given the very name that he was given, Jesus. Tonight we ask, what's in a name? God answers. He says, in my name is salvation. And our text even shows us how it is that God would accomplish salvation through Mary's son, his son. For has it only been eight days and the Christ has already begun to shed his blood for mankind? Has it only been a week's time in the stillness of that supposed silent night and holy night that we sing about has given way to the the piercing cries of a baby boy at his circumcision? How quickly the Christmas story turns bloody. But don't regret it. Don't regret it for a minute, this traumatic event in Jesus' early life, but rather embrace it. For in it, the God of Abraham is making good on a promise that he made long ago. In this seemingly clinical event, the maker of all men is making solidarity with all men. You see, the giver of the law is placing himself under the very law that he gave. Why? It's for you. It's for me. That's exactly why St. Paul said it. We heard it on Sunday in the epistle reading. He said, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Born of a woman, born under the law. Why? Born under the law? Born under the law to redeem those of us who stood condemned under the law. He made himself subject to every point and every article and every jot and tittle of his law. And that meant, of course, being circumcised. Already, on only the eighth day, Jesus' destiny as Redeemer is revealed in the name that that he's given and in the blood that he shed of himself. He didn't need to be circumcised. He needed no covenantal relationship with God. He needed no forgiveness. He needed no Savior, all of which God's circumcision, God-appointed circumcision, points to. You and I, we need those things. We need a relationship, a saving relationship with God. We need forgiveness. We, We need a Savior. Christ didn't. But because you and I do, we're the ones 
We're the ones whose eternal well-being is staked on his fulfillment of the law to to the very last point of it. Because we don't carry out the law, we need him desperately to do it. Luther once said this, beautiful little phrase he had in something called the Heidelberg Theses. He said, the law says do this and it's never done. But the gospel says believe in Christ and his work and it's already done. Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it for us. And thank him that he did. Because it was for you and it was for me so that our names might be spoken in heaven. So that our names might be written indelibly into the book of life. It was for us, the sinful, that Jesus' name and Jesus' blood was mingled with the names and the blood of the sinful. As most certainly it would be some 33 years later. On a hillside cross, yards away from that temple where we are tonight, outside that city wall, there by his death, Jesus ultimately lived up to his name. And what does it cost you? Nothing. It costs you no more to inherit salvation than it costs you to obtain it. Nothing. It costs him everything. It costs you nothing. It's freely given to you. How? By a a painful covenantal right? Not anymore. No, as the shadows of temple sacrifices gave way to the ultimate fulfillment of the sacrifice of God's Lamb, so also circumcision was displaced by the higher sacrament of baptism. Now it's in baptism, you see. Baptism makes us God's people. Baptism includes us in that people of promise. Baptism unites us to him and all that's his. St. Paul said that too. He said, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. An interesting phrase. Circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism. In which you were also raised with him through faith. Friends, as we consider tonight what's in a name... Consider also this, that at the point of baptism, we begin to bear his name. It's when you're first called Christian. Christian. And you bear all the, the, the benefits that accompany his name. It's, like, it's much like Dr. John Beans Carroll. Maybe you've heard of him. Dr. John Beans Carroll of Norristown, Pennsylvania, a doctor who never had any sons or daughters of his own. Now, after the good doctor died, it was, his last will and testament was opened. And to the great surprise of many, it was revealed that Dr. John Beans Carroll had left $100 to every, each and every child that he'd delivered into the world and every child that bore his name. It's quite a gift. $100 to every child he delivered, every child that bore his name. But friends, what is that gift compared to the gift that we own Because we bear the name of him who has delivered us and who yet delivers us, Christian. The name of Jesus. A light by day for us. A light by night, rather, I should say, in our shade by day. The name of Jesus, what a blessing his name has been for us in the year 2008. This year now passing. Throughout the year 2008, you've received in this place week after week the grace upon grace that springs forth from him to those who are in his name. No doubt in 2008, you've stumbled into regrettable moments, moments you hope never to repeat again. But you've been forgiven them. You've been forgiven them all in his name. And now forgetting what lies behind, you press on in his name. No doubt in 2008 you suffered loss. You suffered loss as the change and decay in all around that we say see in one way and to some degree touched your life. But there's also no doubt that 
that you were strengthened and comforted by the grace sufficient promised to all of those who by his grace bear his name. You rejoiced in 2008 because for the sake of Jesus Christ and his name, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit saw it good to increase to you and to multiply to you upon all of the good things he's already given to you. In that same name, the one that's above every other name in his name, we now go confidently forward into the year of our Lord, 2009. And confidently we go. Because no matter what this new year brings, no matter the things present nor the things to come, and though the days change and the calendar pages turn, Jesus remains the same. Jesus Christ is still the same yesterday, today, and forever in his name. And all that it means remains the same. Perhaps the 17th century Lutheran theologian Johann Gerhard put it best when he said this. He said, For me thou art born, for me thou art circumcised, to me also thou art Jesus. How sweet and delightful is the name of Jesus. Be thou my Jesus in the present life. Be thou my Jesus in death. Be thou my Jesus in the last judgment. Be thou my Jesus in eternal life. And if my sin, that which I'm born with, that of my youth, that of my whole life, if my sin condemns me, yet thou remainest still my Jesus. How very blessed we are to close this year and to begin anew, to begin a new day and a new year. In Jesus' name, amen.
when our time on earth gives way to the eternal day of heaven. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. As we began this year commending our petitions and prayers to your holy will in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, so we end it in his name, confident that you will hear us and answer us because of that name, which is above every other name to which every knee will bow. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto you, O Lord. We thank you especially that you have brought us this day to be able to sing and to be able to say, evermore praising you and saying, of time, your word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. Let your word made flesh dwell richly among us, that faithfully eating his body and drinking his blood, we may receive the fullness of your grace and truth in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
salvation which thou hast prepared me for the face of all people. God, ever the same, whose years know no end, grant us your presence, that by your grace we may pass through this coming year with faithful hearts, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all praise and glory, now and forever. Amen. Receive the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.